Thanks for listening to the High Street Young Adults Podcast. For more information and how to get connected, check out highstreet.org slash youngadults. to be uh, in this series, and I hope y'all had uh, a good break. I've, I've missed getting to speak to y'all. Um, we, we had a nice long break. Uh, I don't know how your break was. I had a good time. I found out that I think my hairline is receding um, right here, and so I'm at the age now where this is a legitimate worry for me, and I, the bad part is, is I think my wife thinks it's, it's funny, uh, and, and I don't think it's very funny, so I'm a little self-conscious now standing up here in this light. Uh, no, I'm just kidding, but it was a good break. I hope you guys guys had fun, and uh, we're back in this Grow series, and I think it's so important that we're talking about how do you grow spiritually? How do we do that? What does that look like? And uh, Jared kicked it off last week, and we talked about scripture reading, uh, and, it, and it was great, reading of God's Word, reading your Bible. And we had that challenge last week of read uh, God's Word for 20 minutes uh, every day between last gathering and this gathering. And so um, if you guys didn't get a grow guide last week, I want to encourage you, stop by Next Steps uh, after the service, and we can get you that. And tonight, we're talking about prayer, okay? So that's where... Uh, we're going tonight, and uh, Pastor Eddie, you know, I love Pastor Eddie, senior pastor here at this church, lead pastor. He kind of stole my thunder a little bit a couple weeks ago. I guess he can do whatever he wants because he's the boss, but uh, I, I had this point of like, man, our natural tendency is not to drift towards spiritual disciplines, is it? It's hard to be disciplined. That our natural tendency is not to drift towards the things of God. Jeremiah 17, 9 says that the heart is deceitful. This is the prophet Jeremiah speaking in the Old Testament. He says the heart is deceitful above all things and utterly sick. Who can understand it? That because of our sin nature, it's not always easy to be disciplined and to pursue God. So sometimes it's tough. We're sinners, right? Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And because of that, it's not our natural inclination to drift towards some of these disciplines. We have a natural desire for God at times, but it's not always natural to drift towards growth. And so um, we need to talk about these disciplines. They're really important because we got to understand it. And so uh, another thing, uh, a tendency that we have that we want to talk about, i got to tell a story. And so uh, I went to California last week, and I visited one of my good friends. I was in Orange County, California, like last weekend or two weekends ago. It was beautiful weather. People showing up. I was at a church, like, greeting people at my friend Rob's church, and he was preaching. There's people at 68 degrees, and they're showing up wearing gloves. I'm like... And I'm out there high-fiving everybody. Hey, welcome to church. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I'm just out enjoying the weather. And I told a lady that. And she's like, she looked at me as if I was crazy. All right? And uh, I was like, this is beautiful weather. I mean, if you're in Springfield, it's terrible right now. Okay? I'm praying for a snow day tomorrow, though. All right? That's my prayer request right now. I'm a teacher, so I got to get that one in. Uh, I hate traveling, though. Okay? I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a bad traveler, let me tell y'all. I am a bad traveler. You can ask my wife. I'm not good at it. I need Dramamine so that I don't throw up on plane rides. You understand what I'm saying? On my honeymoon with my wife, I was throwing up in a plastic bag like on the plane, okay? And Uncrustable, I threw it up. It did not taste good uh, coming out. Let me just 
tell you that much. And so I take Dramamine now. It's good for me. It makes you so tired. Uh, but I, I, I didn't get sick on the plane ride into LAX. I feel cool saying LAX. I was like, there, you know, whatever, it's cool. Um, so I, I'm flying in. I didn't get sick, praise God. Felt like a little queasy, but I, I did not get sick. Well, the next day, my friend Rob, he leads this young adult ministry. We're going to do this retreat in a place called Ventura, California. And we're driving down I-10 in California, which, why would anyone live in California? The weather is not worth it. Like, the traffic is so bad. Let me tell you, Springfield is a beautiful place because of that. And so we're driving down I-10. And uh, we're going to this beautiful place in California, and I start feeling it. It's not going well for me. The plane messes me up for like a couple days, y'all, let me tell you. And uh, I'm starting to struggle. I'm, you, y'all know the feeling. My hands are getting a little sweaty. I'm probably looking pretty pale. And you just get to a point where you're like, you just have to accept the reality of, I'm, I'm getting sick. And uh, I was there. And so uh, we're driving 70 miles an hour. We finally got out of this traffic jam, and we start going down this huge hill. And it's a game over for me. So I stick my head out the window, and I'm literally throwing up the entire lunch I ate all over my friend Rob's wife's car, just splattering down splattering down the side of the car. Um, the, the spicy chicken that I had for lunch, it was uh, it was not good, all right? But it was worth it to go on this trip because we made it to a beach. In spite of getting sick, I hate traveling. I don't like it. But we made it to this beautiful beach there for one day uh, on this retreat. And I noticed something. It's kind of a cheesy analogy, but it was like we, we had this quiet time on the beach with some of his uh, people who were in his young adult community. And I see these massive stones all throughout the beach. And they're so smooth, and they're so like they're, they're they're so like well shaped, and they're just beautiful. Like you pick them up, and and it's just awesome. Like people pay a lot of money to like have those in their yard around here as landscaping. And in California, it's just like trash on the beach to them. All right, but they got these beautiful, awesome stones. And uh, and, and what I, I thought about was like this: is that doesn't just happen to those overnight. It's a process, right? That slowly those rocks are getting smoothened out. They're becoming, like, they they didn't just start that way, right? That these stones have been, over time, made into this smooth thing. And it reminds me that, like, spiritual disciplines, while God can come in like a jackhammer, and I believe he can change your life radically, like, just from engaging in spiritual disciplines, and he can chisel stuff away in an instant, a lot of times spiritual growth, what does it look like? Repetitive, repetitive repetitive, that that stone, if you just took a picture of it, you, you know, you would think that every single day as you saw it, you would see that it gets smoother and smoother and smoother. But if you just took a look at it each day and you didn't have something to remember it, you'd be like, is anything even happening to that? Is the water and sand even doing anything to it? And spiritual disciplines are a lot like this. There's sometimes you don't feel it. You don't feel like doing it. I don't feel like reading God's word. I don't feel like praying. But what happens is when you do that consistently, over and over again for an extended period of time, a beautiful thing starts to happen. Is that God begins to smooth and change your heart. That Let me tell you, I was a guy that like, when I was in college here, uh, I, I would be like the guy getting in fights during pickup basketball at church, okay? Anger issues. I, I'm short. I don't know if you can see that. I have a little bit of short man syndrome. Um, it's a real thing. 
Only a couple girls laughed at that, but it is a rather embarrassing uh, thing sometimes. So, like, God can work on your heart, let me tell you, because, uh, and now, now I'm here. So, God has been good in that way. But it, on a serious note, like, God will change your heart over time. And that's why when we're in this Grow series and we're talking about spiritual disciplines, it's so important. It matters so much. I want you to just think 20 years down the road in your life, and I want you to think about engaging in those disciplines, what your life could possibly look like. What could your life possibly look like in 20 years? That's an amazing thing to think about. And you're in such a great stage because as young adults, man, you you have time ahead of you, hopefully, God willing, that you can develop these things. And that's why spiritual disciplines are so important. And we're talking about prayer tonight. And uh, man, this is a big topic. You know what I'm saying? Like when, when I got prayer, like I drew the card of prayer uh, to speak on, I'm like, how am I gonna give a message in 30 minutes on prayer? That's a huge topic of conversation. We could do a, a half of a year sermon series. We could do a, a deep study of this. Like where do we even start when it comes to prayer. And I think that uh, we're gonna land on something that hopefully is practical for you and seeing what is the attitude that we should have when we pray. Like, how do we approach it? I think that's important. And then also, what are some practical things that we can do to take away, to apply to our everyday life in order to grow spiritually? And so I wanna take you um, to Luke chapter 18, and we're gonna be in verses nine through 14. And this is a story, it's a parable that Jesus is telling. And it's important when you have a parable, you have to look at, like, where do I fit in in the parable? Where do I fit in in this story that Jesus is telling? Jesus was telling these stories for a reason. And this is what it says in verse 9. Jesus also told the parable to some who trusted in themselves, that they were righteous, meaning they were right in God's sight, right? These people thought they were okay on their own, and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Now this is important because a Pharisee was who? They were a religious leader at that time who was viewed as a religious elite. They were doing everything the right way on the outside. These are the Pharisees. And so much of what Jesus had to say was directed directly at people who thought they had it all together and treated other people poorly. That should, that should stick out to us. And I think for me, it's easy to be like, I'm not that. That's definitely not me in this, this parable. But I think we have to be careful of like, where, where is our heart at? And so the tax collector, this is the worst of the worst. So Jewish people at this time, he was probably speaking to a Jewish audience. A tax collector was the worst of the worst because the Jewish people were under Roman rule at this time. And Rome was going to tax the Jewish people. And so the tax collectors were cheats. They were unfair. But they were also working on behalf of the Roman government who the Jews did not like. And so a tax collector would have been a person of Jewish background who was taxing his own people. That's not cool, right? And so this is who a tax collector was. And so we see this contrast. Jesus is painting a picture. The people who look like they have it all together and the worst of the worst. And this is the story that Jesus is telling right here. And it goes on to say in verse 10, I already read part of it. We're going to go back to it again. Two men went up in the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, 
adulterers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes up to heaven. Picture him in the temple prostrate because he won't even lift his eyes up. But he beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. We see this principle over and over again in Scripture that Jesus is after an attitude of humility. Some of the most powerful prayers in my life have been at some of the worst times in my life where I had nothing to be prideful and arrogant about. One of the things that comes to my mind the time I prayed a prayer like this, um, my, my wife Emma and I, um, we have a daughter and she's 13 months old. She's awesome. Uh, I'm glad she's not in here because she'd be crying right now. Uh, but she's great. It's good. You should have kids. It's really cheap um, and it's really easy. It's like, it's just, it's fine. The medical bills, it's not a big deal. $1,000 every couple months, it's good. And so um, we, have a, we have the, like my wife is pregnant, okay? And uh, this was like changing me. God was using this to soften my heart in a powerful way. The people who were closest to me saw that happen and like they would comment on it. And, and it was a great thing, but I still remember like the guy who got in a fight during pickup basketball, right? I'm an idiot sometimes. And uh, so I, I had this moment where Em and I were fighting about something stupid and I remember just absolutely screaming at her in our house. I remember just absolutely screaming at her about something. And I, you ever had a wave of conviction go, like that's what anger does, is it feels so good in the moment like to just unleash that and let somebody have it. But then afterwards, you're left looking like a fool and feeling bad about yourself. And I remember going into the living room uh, of our house and just hitting my knees and just begging, I was kind of mad at God, to be honest with you. Like, God, I don't want to be an angry person. That's not what I want. That's not who I want to be. I want to be a spiritual leader of my family. And I'm on the ground, just hitting the ground, upset, mad at God, mad at myself. And in that moment, I was like, God, you have to help me. I cannot do this on my own. I'm about to have a daughter. Like, this can't be who I am. And in that, that moment, God began to do something that would change my heart over the coming weeks and months where it wasn't something magical. I didn't have any type of like revelation, but I just remember that moment of being really a fork in the road, of being like, God really being like, this, you, you don't have to be this person. This isn't who I called you to be. I know this isn't who you want to be, but you can't fix this on your own. Only I can fix that. And so I can relate to that, that beating your chest and being like, oh, I'm a sinner, man. Many times in my life I've been there, and I'll be there again. But this is an attitude of humility that we take when it comes to prayer. And this is really the start of prayer. We talk about something all the time here. We call it a bridge illustration. And really it's a great representation of the gospel. And you can see it on the screens behind me, just part of it. A lot of times we talk about Romans 6.23 with it. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And so what happens is sin is what separates us from God. That at the beginning of time we were united with God. Adam and Eve were united with God in the Garden of Eden. But when sin entered the world, it created a gap. It created a chasm 
that God is perfect and holy and good. And if we have sin in our lives, which we all do, it separates us from him. And so there's this chasm and this gap. But God wasn't content to just leave us there. I mean, think about that. God created us. He created us. He wants to be in relationship with us, but a relationship works both ways. We have to choose to be in a relationship with God as well. And so what happens is like what we have to do is we have to admit our sin and admit our need for a Savior. And in an act of humility, we have to call upon God and we have to ask him. Like, hey, God, we have to pray this same prayer. What does it say in verse verse 14? Jesus says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. What does justified mean? It means that he went home right with God. And the Pharisee didn't go home right with God. That to be right with God and to be in a relationship with him, to be unified with him, that that God sent Jesus down to die on a cross to bridge that gap for us so that we could be united again, so that we could be justified that Jesus justifies us. And so it starts with a relationship with Jesus. That's where the, the attitude of prayer has to begin there. It has to begin there. It's a must, and this attitude of humility is something that we see that we need. And, uh, you know, I just think that's, that's so important that we should never forget this is where it starts, realizing who we are and who God is. That's kind of the attitude of prayer. So once we understand that, how do we practically live out prayer in our lives? Some of you are like, okay, I kind of knew that, I get that. Like, what does it practically look like? One of the biggest principles that I see in Scripture as I read through the Gospels and I read um, about Jesus' life is what did he consistently do? He consistently took time away to pray. He took time away to pray. Everybody take out your phone. You got your phone with you? Like, what a distracted world we live in. What a world we live in where there's constantly, like, what did people do before email? Wouldn't that have been awesome? Everything seems so important with email. You just, like, click it, hits in, hits in, hits in. Y'all, man, it's crazy. Or text messages. Like, people be texting you about stuff that doesn't really matter. Like, it would be a great filter to have to not have text message or email, and you'd actually communicate things that were probably important. I'm bad. I can rip off texts faster than anyone in here. I promise I get on my computer, and I'm just, I'm going, all right? And, uh, but it's a distraction, and it's a hard thing to get away sometimes. We've got a lot of different things speaking to us, preaching to us, trying to disciple us, trying to change our thought process. And have you, are you setting aside time in your life to get away from the noise? College, young adult, post-college, working, whatever. Are you setting aside time? No, no, no. Are you actually setting aside time to go and speak to God? This was something that was very challenging for me whenever my daughter was born because it changed our routine and our schedule. It used to be a lot easier. And what I've had to do over the last little bit, and that's, I love how Pastor Eddie says, hey, we always get to the sermon before the, the people that we're preaching to it. And so this has been something that's been on my heart. And what I've been doing over the last several weeks and in this new year is I literally take my headphones. I got an app called Sleep Fan. It's awesome. If you're ever traveling and you sleep with a box fan, uh, I highly recommend it. Do we have any box fan people in the room tonight? I'm a box fan person, 100%. I love the noise. If you sleep in silence, I don't think that's healthy. 
all right? I would be willing to say that there's maybe a psychological issue going on inside of your head, but um, that's for another topic on another day. And so uh, I put my headphones in, and I set a timer, and it's literally just my time to get away and to pray. And it's been so meaningful to me because what happens is I start to get away and pray that suddenly, like, the prayers that I have, they keep going further. And I think of other things to pray for and people to pray for. And in solitude and in silence, God speaks things to my heart. He convicts me of sin. He reveals sin to me. And that's been a great thing. And I do it in the morning because, man, I just need to start my day that way. I'm a teacher, and there, you know, there'd be some kids who'd be acting crazy in class, and I need the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, I'm not going to have a job for very long, okay? Um, it is hard to be a Christ follower and a good teacher, let me tell you that. So um, it, I just like to do it in the morning because it sets my mind in a powerful, like, in a way of like where I'm reminded that God is a God who created the entire universe, that we set our, our mind on the attributes of God and like how big he is and that he's a creator and it changes the way that I view heart, view, view my life. You know, there's a, a, a passage in Colossians that talks about how when we set our mind on things above, that, or we should set our mind on things above, not of things here on earth. And when I started to really practice that in college and I started to become like concerned with the eternal matters, stuff got a lot smaller. Stress uh, tests weren't as stressful as as an adult. Like that that thing that's going wrong, or you got this bill, or you had to pay for that. It's not as stressful. I can I can approach it better when I remember who God is and what He's done. When I have people who I feel like are evil in my life or are hurting me or who are hard and difficult to love, it allows me when I reorient in my thought that hey, I have an opportunity to love this person like Jesus loved. And I need that because my natural tendency is not to do that. It's not to do that. The heart is deceitful above all things. That I, not, I need time for God to speak into my life. And in Mark chapter 1, verse 35 to 39, we see Jesus do this at the beginning of his ministry. And this is a powerful moment. It says this. It says, rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And, and Simon and those who were with him searched for him, like search party for Jesus. And they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching the synagogues and casting out demons. Hey, listen, Jesus was about to go on the most important preaching tour in the history of the world. He was about to turn the world upside down. And what did he do before he went out and did that? Is he went away and prayed to a desolate place on purpose because he had a mission that he came for. And what did he do is he took time out of his schedule to reorient himself. The son of God, the son of God, much closer to God than we'll ever be. He took time out of his schedule to reorient his heart because he was about to do something really important. My hope and desire is that you have huge dreams and vision for your life. Man, I get fired up about some of you in here because I know the aspirations in ministry that you have. 
I'm praying for some of you that you'll see hundreds and thousands and a million people saved in your lifetime from the works that you do or the church that you're a part of or the way that you serve or the way you lead in your workforce. But what do we have to do before we can have that big vision is we've got to set aside time to make sure we're going to the creator and, or, and reorienting our hearts. That what if this is a practice that we established during the good times, then in the bad we don't have any other choice. When the going gets tough, it's not easy to pray. It's not easy to pray always. If you don't establish and root yourself in this right now, in this season, not next year, not next month, not next semester, right now, we have to do this. There's no time like the present then we must establish ourselves in a relationship with God where we can communicate and he can communicate to us. That's a beautiful and a powerful thing. Because if God's not the one speaking into your life and you're not carrying on the conversation with him who is speaking into your life, somebody is. You might not even know. I love a pastor I talked about this summer. Like Something's always discipling you. Something's discipling you. Something's telling you how to live. Are you going to let it be God? Are you going to engage in his word and let it be him? Or are you going to rely on yourself? You have to make time to get away and pray. What if as a community of people, like we're not done seeing what we want to see God do with this community. I pray that there's more. But if we're not going to God and asking him for it, then what are we really doing? We got to get away and we got to pray. And I want to finish with this point before we close and kind of do something a little different. Um, is, is this, is talk about the, the fact that prayer is huge, right? How are we going to cover it all tonight? And it's really, it was a point that I'm like, how can we not talk about this? When I look at what Jared spoke about last week and reading God's word, that if you want to know how to pray, you know how you need to know how to pray? You got to know God's word. It's crazy, right? It's crazy that the spiritual disciplines build upon each other in that way. That if you want to know how to pray, you have to know God's word. I mean, look at some of the things we see prayer for. We see that we are to pray for forgiveness in scripture. We see that we are supposed to have times where we are praying for our enemies. That we're not to be out and publicly praying to be seen by others. Public prayer is fine. I hope you're praying with people and out loud, but if you're doing it to be seen by others, that it's not right, that we shouldn't pray with vain repetitions. We shouldn't just be repeating the same thing over and over again, thinking that God's gonna honor it. I'm not saying that you can't ever repeat a prayer or anything like that. It's not what scripture's saying. Pray for, there's times where we're supposed to pray for laborers of the kingdom of God. We're supposed to pray for one another as we're doing God's work. That we're supposed to pray to not enter into temptation. That we're supposed to pray for people's physical healing. That we're supposed to pray for spiritual healing and mental healing. That sometimes there's occasions in scripture where people pray all night. We're supposed to pray for other people. Pray when we don't know what to pray. Y'all been there? Sometimes you don't have the words, but that's when we're supposed to go to God. We're supposed to pray that we would grow in love and abound in it more and more. We're supposed to pray without ceasing. See, when we understand God's word, like just do this. As you're reading through scripture, as you're taking this challenge, and you're looking at it, look at when it says pray. When someone's offering a prayer in scripture, look at it and apply it to your life and know God's word. That's part of your spiritual growth that you need. Did you know that? 
hey, I can't, uh, if you're relying on me to help you grow spiritually every week and that's all you're ever doing, you're not going to grow that much spiritually. If you're relying on Pastor Eddie, Jared, whoever it is, you're not going to grow that much. It's when you engage in these disciplines on your own, that's when you're going to grow. Know God's word. As you're reading through scripture, it should prompt you to pray. As you're praying, it should, read, it should prompt you to read scripture. We need to be a Bible literate generation. It's important that we know what God's word says. It's important that we understand how to pray. We got to. Prayer's too important not to. I would love for you to just have an opportunity to, to just grow in your prayer life. And we're going to have an opportunity to respond in prayer with an attitude of humility right now, okay? Uh, I hope that, I know we had some issues getting the cards out. We had these blank cards. Uh, hopefully you got one as you came in. If you didn't get a blank card, man, take out the envelope that's in front of you on a seat back. Take out a pen. And this, uh, if you guys know Tim and Melinda in here, they're awesome. Tim, uh, Melinda's the one who is bringing us like treats all the time and muffins and everything. I don't know where they're at, but they got it. There they are over there. They got a great uh, small group. They're amazing. Tim came up to me afterwards last time. He told me about this idea. I was like, we got to do this. That what I want you to do right now is you have this card. And as we talk about growth, I want you to do one of two things. I want you to write something you want to grow in or something you want to bury something that you want to grow in. Maybe you want to grow in being able to share your faith with other people. Maybe you want to grow in love and peace and patience. You want to grow in the fruits of the Spirit. You want to grow in how you treat others. Maybe you've got something you need to bury. Are you carrying shame tonight? Hey, seriously, seriously. Are you carrying shame tonight? Has someone sexually abused you and you carry shame with that? Have you been involved in relationships that have caused shame and pain and you have guilt that you're walking around with? You need to bury that and ask God to take that away from you. Maybe you're dealing with anxiety and depression and stress. Maybe you're dealing with uh, just family pain and you need to bury, you need to ask God, hey, take this away from me. What do you wanna grow in? What do you wanna bury? In this season of life, I'm gonna ask you to do this. I'm gonna ask you when, when, when the band starts playing and we sing after we pray, come and put this at the altar. You know what the altar's here for? It's an attitude of humility that in front of other people, you're going up and you're saying, hey, I'm gonna pray for this. I'm gonna ask you to bring this up to the altar and plant it there and ask God to grow you in something or to bury something. I wanna close with this. This has been on my heart this week. Um, and we got a picture of it that, you know, we experienced some tragedy. It, it, it's a big deal. Kobe Bryant and his, his daughter, 13-year-old daughter, Gianna, were killed in a plane crash on Sunday. I mean, a helicopter crash on Sunday. And this has been an amazing, like, just response from people. And here's why. Because, like, we have this moment in life where we realize that Man, man, like 41, 13 years old. We're not gonna live forever. You understand that? Like, this isn't gonna last forever. And across the, the, the nation, across the world, people have stopped and realized, why is this so painful? If this is as good as it ever gets, it's not that good. And people are hurting and they're taking a moment to realize that everyone is marching towards the same thing. They were all gonna experience death in our life. It's coming for you. 
And I got a question for you tonight. This is my question for you, for every person in here. Do you know where you're going when your life is finished? I'm going to heaven. I'm going to be with my creator because I've asked him into my heart, that I've asked Jesus to bury the sin in my life. Where are you going? Do you know, do you have certainty? Have you given your life to Christ? Not so that he'll make your life better for right now, but so that you can spend an eternity with your creator. My prayer is that Kobe and his daughter knew the good news. I hope that preachers across the nation are talking about this same thing all week. Because do we know the good news? I wanna ask you to bow your head right now. Thank mm-hmm. you.